Interdisciplinary. They let me come back this week. This is Cal Cates. Uh, and this is Heal Well's podcast about people who take care of people and all the places and perspectives that lift us up. We love science, we love meaningful dissent, and we love to support our fellow humans in making our world a place that is just, equitable, and loving beyond our own imagining. This is season five, that's right five seasons people and we're getting close to the end of season five uh we will be taking a brief break at the end of season five um there will be one more episode in season five though so don't panic uh and then we'll be back with even more amazing content um to make you steer your car off the road because you're so amazed so uh make sure that you check out our patreon and um i'm actually gonna let rebecca jump in and tell you the url because i cannot remember it it's patreon.com slash interdisciplinary. So what is a Patreon? It is not a thing that comes flying out of the end of your wand when you're in serious peril. Um, it is not an animal with multiple heads. It is a super cool thing where you pay five tiny little smackers a month to hear super secret squirrel conversations, fun, madness, exploration of science, deep dives into the weirdest, coolest anime you've ever imagined, and all kinds of other stuff that I'm not even going to tell you because you just have to get in there and check it out. The cool thing about Patreon for you is that you get cool stuff that other people don't get, and you get to be the super secret squirrel. The cool thing for us is that the more of you who are Patreons, basically you get cool content we get equipment that makes it sound less like we're in our garage. So everybody wins, right? So if you love interdisciplinary and if you love Heal Well and you love to laugh and to think about things in a different way, even more than you do with our plain old episodes that are out here in the world, get in the Patreon, follow that link Rebecca just shared. Five bucks a month takes you to an amazing little treasure trove of madness that we have curated for you, our dedicated interdisciplinary listeners. So without further ado, as you know, we like to toss in a, uh, a pun. I thought that I would, uh, many of you know that I have a child and uh, tomorrow we're actually, uh, we're gonna go get new glasses. And after that, we'll see. <laughs> that That's <one> right. hurt. <laughs> That's right. I like to inflict a little bit of pain. We're all about the discomfort here at Healwell. And uh, it's interesting because today, I think uh, this episode, I think we might even call this the goiter edition because um, we are salty up here in the Healwell HQ today. And I, I can't be held responsible for what might happen. All right, people, what are we talking about today? Well, um, since we mentioned um, Amanda, Amanda brought up a really interesting question for us in a message that I think she sent to you, Cal first. Yeah. Amanda um, Long, a, a Healwell community member and a longtime fan, colleague, etc. Mm -hmm. Former podcast guest. Indeed. So, yes. Um, and Amanda was talking about y'all have had a lot of snow in Virginia and a couple of days that were pretty, pretty um, dangerous in the roads. And she was talking about, you know, canceling massages and that the difficulty of making that decision, even though it's actually better for your life and your person to not go in and, and um, try to massage when it's dangerous to get there. Um, so we had this whole conversation, which we'll try to intersperse with this episode about why that's hard. Um, and why it's hard to accept that sometimes self-care means 
doing something that will that another person will be disappointed about and that will cost you money potentially well, yes not well. to be ignored will cost you money yeah well and i, I feel like as a Virginian, as a Northern Virginian, um, because I think they get kind of more and serious snow in other parts of Virginia, like in the mountainous parts, um, West and South. But um, here where Amanda is talking about in the sort of Washington DC area, I think the extra layer is that like, we've had a couple storms this winter where for real, don't leave your house. Like it's real clear that somebody's going to get hurt. Um, but then there's just like, Ugh. like you look outside and you're like, probably I could get there safely. Probably my client could get there safely, but I don't feel like it. And like the snow is a solid excuse to be like, nope, I'm going to be in my pajamas. No, no, it's about your safety and my safety, but really it's about me just not wanting to get dressed. Um, I think it was the first Monday of the new year, right? Um, so after two years of, you know, COVID, like everybody else, and it was snow. It was supposed to snow. Um, but what I woke up to was less snow than forecast, but more of it in the um, coming. So it wasn't as easy as a call as I thought it was going to be, you know, to just be like, to call my clients. Why is this even a thing? But to call my client, I couldn't like look out the window and be like, oh, it's dangerous outside. I'm not going to go to work in that. It wasn't dangerous yet, you know? <laughs> so I was kind of left. I felt like I was in this very familiar position hunched over my phone, looking at the news, trying to decide whether it was safe to go outside, right? So that was part of it. I felt very anxious about that. And then I thought, why is it so hard for just for me to say, no, we're not going in. It's snowing. It's going to look at it outside. Why? Why take the risk? Why take the risk? You know, this seems like an easy call. And that the fact that it wasn't an easy call really made me realize how hard it is for me. And I know some of my colleagues, because they told me about it when I went into work um, after that, um, to just cancel on people. Um, and the, the like, I don't know, the sort of shame, I guess, that goes with like letting somebody down, but that there's a, a, a type of self-care to that too. And the sort of dueling pressures of sort of, I'll just say like capitalistic sort of production, do the thing you said you were going to do. I recently canceled um, with some folks who we probably could have gotten there, you know, as a house call, but it had snowed and then it rained as it does here. And by the time we woke up, like it was forties, it was probably just wet out, but it just looked gross. And it was a Saturday and like, or it was a holiday. So could I have gone? probably they weren't leaving their house. So they were in no danger. Um, but I didn't want to. So, um, maybe I shouldn't have booked that session on a holiday. There's that piece as well, but I feel like there's so much about particularly when you're, um, although Amanda works for someone else. So I was going to say, particularly when you're a sole practitioner, but I think even if you have some control over your book and you're working with another company, like if you're allowed to make that call, how do you make it? Why do you make it? how do you feel about making it? Yeah. It, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers in static. And Amanda brought up another interesting point, which is the sort of peer pressure, because when you're talking Kyle about working for someone else, you know, e even in the environment, a lot of us work in, we're 
sort of solo practitioners, but we either share a space or we are independent contractors who all work for, you know, we control our book, but there are other therapists and those therapists can see if I've blocked off that I'm not coming in tomorrow. And I think Amanda had said that that part of the conflict was about they had predicted snow. And so she was like, I'm going to just say, I'm just going to call it for tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to snow for real. I don't know how it's going to be, but I'm just going to not bother with the last minuteness that happens so often. And I'm just going to call it. And that another therapist sort of said to her that she felt like she had been given permission by Amanda blocking that day off. And I feel like that's a really interesting layer as well that we, and maybe this is just human nature, that we feel better in a crowd, right? Nobody wants to be first uh, or the only uh, one. But I, I think that that's another interesting piece that we, we feel like, first of all, I don't feel like it's not a good enough excuse. And second of all, that somehow what other therapists are doing is the right thing. Like, like I was looking at the schedule and there were some people walking and then, and then another therapist told me, cause I had put in my, the day that it was awful when I went home, the day that it was really bad drive home. I got out of there early. I had blocked off my schedule at the end. I'm like, weather, get going home. Snow. I just wrote snow. And, um, another massage therapist told me, I'm so glad as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, if Amanda's coming home. I don't want to go in if it's that bad. And I thought, no, we should like go look outside. There's eight inches, yeah. you know, there's four inches of snow on the ground. Don't, don't look at me. And also sometimes I make dumb decisions, <laughs> you know, so don't even look at me for coming in today as a reason yeah. why you should come in. Cause I shouldn't have come in cause I got here and then it was bad. So there's just a lot of it. And I don't think I've made any revelations yet other than I'm really going to try to be when I call people and I have to cancel, I'm going to be very matter of fact. Right. Well, that, that reminds me of the conversations that we've had um, before. And, and I think that came up with a two-part conversation that we had about leaving massage, about our general um, confidence in ourselves as massage therapists and how this, this comes out, this kind of, um, I don't know if it's an inferiority complex or what it is, this, this, need to be validated comes out in ways that are not healthy um, and that block us from doing what is actually the right thing to do for ourselves. Yeah. So um, I live in Michigan, which <laughs> gets the snows relatively regularly. Um, I live in Lansing and we have this weird uh, shield around the city where like bad weather comes in and then it like separates around us and then it goes like towards Detroit. It's a very odd um, meteorological experience, but it does come regularly often. And my um, motto since I worked for somebody else was no one's dying for a massage today. Nobody. And I don't care how big your truck is because we certainly have that problem. And I don't care how new your tires are. And I don't care how good of a driver you are. There is somebody with four bald tires in like a Pinto from 1982 next to you on the road and they can push you off of it. Yep. No problem. So it's just, it's never been worth it to me. Um, 
I don't know anybody that's died in a car crash. I've known plenty of people that got in them, but the idea that you could die on the way to see me just, just cuts it off at the knees for me. Um, I also wanted to talk about something Amanda said about having to call people (laughs) and having to call them when you're sick. Um, so Amanda talks about having a GI day where it was, she's not going to come in. It's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. And she was sitting outside of her bathroom, um, calling people to tell them that they couldn't have a massage today. And then having this conversation of like, oh, I'm so sorry that you can't have a massage, but I literally cannot leave my house for the, which is a weird amount of information to tell people, but like, you kind of feel like you have to justify, you know, um, my, <laughs> my business partner and I partly made a business together. So someone else would be able to call our clients. Um, she has migraines and I have anxiety attacks and you're not in any fit place to talk to anybody during either of those events. So occasionally somebody will get a text that'll be like, I need you to cancel everybody today and just let me know that you've done it. And you're like, I got it. I'm in. Take care of. Don't you worry. And then when, when it's me calling for her clients, I can be like, Jessica is having, you know, I can just tell them a migraine. They all know. And then everyone's like, oh, okay, then that's fine. And I'll be like, and she'll be back with you to schedule later. And they'll be like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then done over. Nobody has to be weird about anything. So listeners, I highly recommend that you get a friend and they don't even need to be like in your time zone to be like, can you call my people and I will call your people and then it'll be fine. So that you don't have to do that anymore. Fantastic idea. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Well, and I want to throw in a, a, a thing that I think we, uh, I will say for myself, I don't recognize the stress that it adds when I so automatically decide that the reason I'm not seeing this person is not a reason I can share with them. And so when I call them, I'm actually lying. And that when you call and say whatever it is you've decided is a valid quote excuse to not see them, when that thing isn't true, it just adds to the shame spiral and adds to the discomfort where like, if you could just say, or if you chose to just say like, it just looks cold and terrible out there and I'd rather not come. Like what would happen? And, you know, I would argue that some people would stop seeing you or decide that you're not serious or whatever. But I think a lot of people would be like, that makes tons of sense. Like, don't tell me that you have some illness or that your car is snowed in or, you know, whatever, like just for real say like, yeah, sorry, but I woke up this morning and I'm not feeling it. And, you know, you don't want to do that every time. Cause obviously that is not going to, keep your practice up. But I find that when I don't feel like my quote excuse is valid and my excuse, and I'm doing a lot of, a lot of air bunnies here is that I don't have the bandwidth today to provide a good session. But culturally that kind of self-care is quote bad business. So I I think that, I, I don't know, I don't know what I want to say about that except to just say that, but I, I do think that's part of the dynamic. This is another place where massage education, foundational education does us a disservice because of the whole cancellation policy conversation. I mean, you guys all know we have students and even massage therapists who aren't students writing to us, asking us all the time about cancellation policies, particularly when you're working with people who are living with chronic or serious illness. And one of the things that 
it honestly had never even occurred to me until I met Cal <laughs> was Cal's cancellation policy is there is no policy. Like if you don't feel like coming, don't come. I have plenty of other things I can do with that hour, right? And, but that it goes both ways. And that means that I reserve the right to be able to say honestly to you, I can't see you today. Or to, or to say like, I, my kid is here and I, you know, I, I thought he was going to be at school today, but he's homesick. And so I can't see you or whatever that the, the last minute, again, air bunnies cancellation isn't any different than any other cancellation. And yeah, for me, that was revelatory <laughs> uh, because I had, I had, bought and sold the bill of goods that like within 24 hours, the person has to pay you and they have to this, that, and the other thing. And I certainly think if you have clients who abuse that, or if you as the therapist abuse that, like you said, Cal, you can't call every time and say, I don't feel like seeing you. Right. <laughs> Might be time to get out of massage. <laughs> right. But I think that, that the, there's a level of honesty there and a level of forgiveness for lack of a better word or willingness to just accept that life happens to people. <laughs> oh, Rebecca, please, please say your face. <laughs> I, no, so my face started when you were talking, Cal, and continued um, while you were talking, Carrie, um, as my ears are hearing what you're saying because the thought that is has dropped into my head that I'm rolling around is why do we need to give a reason? Um, yes. Like yes. really, like really, why do we yep. need to give a reason? Um, both as clients and practitioners right. of massage. I um, need to reschedule. Yeah. Period. End, End of. of story. Yeah. And I, and I, I think it, it like this, uh, compulsion or whatever, the drive to give a reason has to do with a lot of things. I think certainly it has to do with like maintaining a relationship and, and particularly with clients that I'm close with, I would want to give a reason. Um, but I can think of like in the clients that I see regularly, I think there is one person that I would actually want to give a reason and everybody else I'd be like, yeah, I need to reschedule. You don't need to know why. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and I mean, I would, say that exactly but right. uh, but um <laughs> why none yeah <laughs> that's right that's <laughs> i don't i don't know that we have that word in kentucky but yeah <laughs> i'm sure you have something much more colorful honestly yeah, <laughs> yeah. and no euphemistically nicer yeah take mm. <laughs> none of your business um <laughs> involves sweet potatoes it probably, yeah. <laughs> probably many, as many things do. Um, but it's also, it, this reminds me of a portion of another thing that Amanda was talking was about was, okay, so are we healthcare providers or are we service providers? And oh, does that, that change this conversation about yes. like canceling and what you say when you cancel and what your obligation is to people when you cancel? Because was as my face was doing things, I was like, Okay, so when I've had like a doctor or dentist have to reschedule, have they ever told me why? No. Never. Have, have I ever been bothered by that? No. Well, yeah, but I'm not going to push it because I'm just assuming that there's a good reason. 
Yeah. Or there's a reason. <laughs> so Corey, you, uh, you absolutely, it's a different thing. If it's, it is a different thing. How come? So I've had this conversation with um, our beloved Ellie before about the difference between service and healthcare and not so much in the like, what do you know and what do you do, but in the way people treat you when they assume one or the other. Um, Because we can assume as many things as we want about ourselves, but you interact with other people for a living. So um, what they assume also makes a difference. And sometimes it's not in the way that they say directly to you it's just like it's all of the undertones right of how um sometimes how they explain things to you like this is my knee and my knee hurts right or well I have a really stressful life my life my life is really stressful because I have you know any number of all of these things going on it's like well right it's 2022 and we're still in a pandemic and like everybody's life is really stressful um but they have this like me, like centeredness, which is I think extremely important in a massage context because people have such, some people have a really hard time talking about themselves and you have to like pull it out of them. They're like, I don't wanna complain. And you're like, you're here for massage. So now's the time to complain. And then there's this other set of people that's like, everything is about me all of the time. And now I'm in my massage room and you're going to work on me and do what I say. Like there's no togetherness about it. Um, And that feels like service as opposed to what's going on. We'll talk about it together. We'll see what we can do. Like I just learned about the heel well quarter jar. You don't do people and you don't work on people. You work with people. So the with people is much more of a healthcare thing. And I think the working on people is much more of like a service attitude, probably from both sides at that point. Um, So when you're making an excuse, are you, on a level with them or are you below them? And if you're below them, then you need to have a good excuse. And if you're on a level with them, then nobody asks questions. And that's terrible. (laughs) Well, yeah, I was gonna say like it, I mean, like just the the levels of, I don't even know what, like that were popping up inside me as you were talking because these are all additional levels of messed upness about culture. Because the idea is that the doctor is above you and that you are there to basically receive what the doctor wants to do to you or, you know, and that, I mean, some of us are lucky to have providers who work with us and we do really feel like we're in relationship with them, but there's still this, I think, very imaginary idea that medicine and business slash capitalism aren't, aren't together in the way that like, a massage practice, or I don't know what other thing we might compare massage to. Like if you go to a physical therapist, that's more towards seeing a doctor, I feel like. And is it because it's reimbursable by insurance? Is it because like, what's the, what are all the layers of, and certainly it is partly how we behave as you alluded to Corey, that like, I think that massage therapists do without even noticing it behave as though our clients are above us or that like, you know, we are on the low end of the sort of healthcare totem pole. If we picture, or I guess the high end actually, because the low part of the totem pole is the most important part. Um, But that we are less than other healthcare providers, if we even perceive ourselves as healthcare providers and that that makes it easy for us to trip into that service mindset and the customer is always right. And all of the pitfalls that go along with that. 
Which is interesting because anybody who's ever worked retail knows that the customer is not <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting how a simple like act of listening to your gut can become an identity crisis for your whole career. And I, I don't, I don't know that massage therapists are unique in that. Um, but there's something that feels to me, at least higher stakes about this because of the nature of what we do, because it is so intimate in a way. Um, I, I just remember I used to go to one of my former instructors, receive massage from this person. And, um, one day we had an appointment scheduled and she just didn't show up like no call, no show, which is, which I think we can all agree is a bad thing. (laughs) Definitely not an advocate of the no call, no show situation on either side. Um, but the, the way that that felt like a betrayal was really surprising. Like I'm going for an appointment and it's disappointing, but wow, it felt really personal. Mm. And, and I wonder if that is part of what, like our empathy towards that or our projection of that is what makes this challenging. Yeah. Well, and I think Carrie pointed to something important in, in something she said earlier in terms of the way that foundational education in massage therapy lets us down. Because when you talk about like, you know, listening to your gut only upends your professional identity if it's a new thing and you've built your professional identity in a way that wasn't connected to feeling your gut. And I think that we really do in, I will speak for my own massage education. And I feel like I went to a a pretty solid school and I got lots of the sort of intangible parts that I think are so important to being a successful practitioner. But the idea is you're going to become a business owner or you're going to work at a franchise and there's no exploration of, um, what, what that's going to mean and sort of where you'll have to set your own boundaries and where you'll be responsible for making your own decisions. And, and that we're also sort of lied to, and I guess we'll get to this. Um, we we've discussed this in other places, but the, um, how much your earning potential is as a massage therapist is, mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd say we get lied to. We just, there's no real, like, okay, so let me break it down for you. You're not actually going to work 40 you're not going to do 40 massages in a week. And if you do, you're not going to work very long. Mm-hmm. So when you see that at the red door, they charge $150 for an hour massage, you're not going to do 40 times $150 a, cause you're not getting all of that B right. cause you can't do 40 massages. So like we're always sort of chasing, I feel like, and that you can't chase and listen to your gut because you'll never catch the thing that you're chasing. And there's really no, I don't remember any part of my education being about like, so you're lying in your bed, nine o'clock Saturday morning, client calls you up and says, I threw my back out last night. Can I see you at 11? What do you do? There's none of that because what you do is say yes. And you put your clothes on and you cancel what your plans were and you whatever, because if the money's coming, you're going to take it right. Especially in the first couple of years of your practice where you really just feel like if I turn down business, my business will never grow. And I think we, we begin with that momentum and it becomes a very intentional or not process of pulling back from 
no, actually, if I say these are the hours that I work and I set clear boundaries that are connected to me and what I need to feel nourished and thriving, my practice will be what I need it to be. But we're just so afraid that it will dry up, that we continue to ignore our gut when our gut says, no, you're supposed to stay in bed today and let that cat sit on your lap. And when 11 o'clock rolls by, you're going to be like, nope, didn't see that client, but I'm feeling the, I'm feeling the self-love. Um, that's just not a thing that we ever explored. No. And, you know, I think another layer of this is it's not just financial, although certainly that is motivating. I think the other thing that we, I don't know if we learned this in massage school, but I, I will say that it was certainly modeled for me in massage school by the people who taught me. And that then I, I will say that I was probably guilty of modeling this for my own students early in my career too. The, the real pay that comes with seeing those people is being a hero. And that is so seductive. And that you're the only person who can help me. You know, this is, it. I have so many stories of clients, patients calling me and asking for totally inappropriate appointment times or lengths or, you know, last minute, this minute. And every time, certainly the money was part of the siren song, but really, being the only one who could help this person. That for me was really the, the cliff that was really hard to pull back from. Yeah, there's, there's something really powerful about that. I'm just, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to admit something embarrassing about myself. Um, I was just cleaning out one of my, one of my drawers yesterday and found, you know, one of those little tip envelopes from when I used to work at the spa that I had kept and I had kept because the person wrote on it, wrote a little message on it. And the message said, you're the one who got me to pain free. And this was like years ago. This was like in the first year or two of my career. So how many times has this thing moved with me, you know, um, and stuck in the bottom of a drawer and I kept it because it was just like this amazing ego boost. Like I, um, the one, you know, I'm not the one. I just happened to be the person who had a free spot that day. Well, and I, I, I want to, yes. And I, you know, I was just talking with a, a group of death doulas recently, and we were talking about the seductive nature of like being the person who is at least perceived as knowing what is truly unknowable. And that when somebody hires a death doula, part of what they're thinking that person will do is say like, how long do they have? Right. And that, um, and that there's just this sense of like people who work in hospice or people who get people out of pain are angels. And, it is okay for that to feel good. You really supported that person. That is not your new identity. It is not, it shouldn't be one of the Legos that goes under the pillar of the platform you're building about who you are. And I think that's where we get caught. It's not wrong to be happy and excited that you really helped this person, but you're, this isn't who you are. And right. when we start to base who we are on whether or not we're getting compliments and how good those compliments are, I think that's the slippery slope that's hard to navigate. I think 
slightly off topic, but I think this also comes back to the massage therapist isolationism problem because to you, you are the only one because how many other massage therapists do you talk to on a regular basis? And of those massage therapists you talk to, how many do you actually respect for real? Um, so if you feel like you're the top of the game in your area, then you're the top of the game in your area and you are the only option. And that's absolutely not true. <laughs> However, you came to that conclusion, it's false, but <laughs> right. it certainly feels like it's true. And how do you correct that kind of perception of your life and your work without talking to other people, which at least three of us on this podcast are not really fans of. So <laughs> I mean, I'll talk to people, but just not that much. You don't, want them to, you don't want them to keep talking to you. I mean, if you start talking about the weather, I'm out. <laughs> so if fair. I want to hear about, it, I have windows right in front of my face. I don't need right. <laughs> um, Yeah, but that, uh, it's, it, why do we put that burden on it? Like, why take on that burden? I, I get the ego boost part of it. I certainly do. And that and that particular note from that client, like in the first year or two of my career, was also valuable because I was working in a place that was not right for me. So like every day was like a minefield of self-doubt every day, every day. And there were clients there who didn't understand the kind of work that I do. Um, and <laughs> this was a place where someone actually walked out of the massage and said, that was the weirdest massage I've ever had. Um, yeah. So, wow. you know, that, that kind of reinforcement was really valuable to, yeah. for me to keep going. Um, but it also, like, I wonder how many people are out there. And I'm thinking also of people who have come through our mentorship groups, um, people who are out there who are kind of chasing after this, um, and, and doing it in a way that has them like driving when the roads are icy and they should probably stay home because it's not okay or, or, you know, working wounded. I had a professor in graduate school who told us, those of us who were TAs, that we had to work wounded. We could not take a day off. And that is some bullshit nonsense. Was there and, a why attached to that? Just because, because just because because he said so and he had the gray hair and the tenure so you because know, capitalism because, because capitalism yeah picture yeah. of capitalism well yeah it is because capitalism well um, and i i wonder yeah. rebecca if this is um this does tie into the financial piece and the compensation piece like i need something to keep me going right I, you know i, I it's massage is massage compensation is such a mess. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm running after the financial, but I'm also running after the thing that makes me feel important. You know, right. I think, I think we talked in an earlier episode about the person who said to me at a party, oh, you're a massage therapist, but you seem like you're so smart. Right. Right. Like we have no, we, <laughs> we have no respect. And again, a lot of that's our own fault, but I think, you know, we're constantly striving if I'm going to identify as a massage therapist, I really need, I need that identity to mean something. Yeah. Well, it's, if we could get into a whole, I think, philosophical, um, and maybe we will rabbit hole of like external validation, I don't think is unique to massage therapists and that need. And I think that that's something that is driven very much by 
capitalism <laughs> by the the way that the this society is structured that you know you're okay if your house looks like this or your clothes look like this or you know that that is signifiers of okayness um all have to do with things that cost money um, well and and this is a place where be identifying as healthcare providers doesn't doesn't actually free us from this either because the healthcare model of course is exactly that mm-hmm. go to work if you're sick work a thousand hours residency you know means you never sleep and you never eat and you know so i think that even when we look to you know elevate the profession to healthcare provider that doesn't free us from this problem right and that's what his dad used to say when they would go on trips Let's go so we can get back. Like how much of me is just trying to get to the end of things and be like, I'm done. I did it. I made it through another day. Like I love that feeling of accomplishment. And that's so opposite. This is taking a turn from the snow day from just being in the moment, you know, from just being there with the thing, whatever it is that's going on, not trying to be like, I finished. I did the things. I did three clients. I went to the, you know, I I was productive today in the world. So I earned my place here on uh, here. Um, not that I called three people and told them, don't go out in snow. I'm going to stay home. It's, and, ah, I, this is too big almost. And part of this goes way back to feeling like, I think I could hear my mom saying, like, sometimes I just feel like, nah, it's too much. Like, who cares? Like, you're not like, just the world doesn't revolve around you. If you don't show up to work today, it's going to be okay. It's your infinite, infinite dust and a big old dust ball. Like just give your, relax, slow down. It's not that your work isn't meaningful and all that. Just take some of the pressure off of you. Take some of the pressure off. Yeah. But it can be hard when you're on the phone with somebody and you're like, Hey, you know that thing you've been looking forward to? (laughs) I can't come. Bye. You know? But if you reframe it as I, I can't, I'm sick. The roads yeah. are bad. I, I can't do this today. Mm-hmm. And getting somebody else to believe that isn't my job. Me believing that is my job. Exactly. Uh, and if they, like that woman said, no, then fine. I'm not your massage therapist. Take me off your books too. Take me out of your calendar as well. We're probably, because I have showed up for people like you before, and I am in the middle of unwinding all that bullshit now. Like there are boundaries that I have let people cross before. And once they come through, oh gosh, putting up that fence is not easy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Interdisciplinary. And special thank you to Amanda Long for sharing her story and her ideas with us always. Um, next week, we continue the second half of this conversation where we talk about money. This was prompted by a question from Mike in the Healwell community. So there's there's lots going on in the Healwell community, good conversations that you might want to check out at community.healwell.org. But next week in the final episode of season five, we'll get into the sticky questions of volunteerism the actual cost of doing massage versus what the Board of Bureau of Labor Statistics say um, is the cost of doing massage and the very important questions of why feral cats don't make good therapy pets. Join us in the community. Check out our Patreon for special bonus material. 
And uh, if you have any questions or would like to give us some feedback, your reviews help us out a lot. Um, So please leave us a review and let us know what you're thinking or send us an email at podcast at healwell.org. Interdisciplinary is produced by Healwell. Our theme music is by Harry Pickens. New episodes are available weekly through your favorite podcast outlet. Uh, and you can send us an email at podcast at healwell.org. That's podcast at healwell.org. Thanks for listening.